everyone. Uh, welcome to Meet the Thriller Author. I'm your host, Alan Peterson. And in today's uh, episode, I'm going to be interviewing uh, Bobby Nash of BobbyNash.com. How are you, Bobby? I'm good, Alan. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks so much uh, for uh, for coming on, on the show. So before I get to going with the questions, can uh, you tell us just a little bit about yourself, please? Sure, sure. Well, my name is Bobby Nash. I'm a, I'm a writer. I... Sorry, it's the part where you wait for everybody to go, hi, Bobby. But no, I write um, I write a lot of different types of things. I write novels and comic books and uh, some short pieces for anthologies. I've written a couple of screenplays, things like that. But yeah, I think my love, my first love is comics, but a close second is the is writing a good thriller. I noticed that on your, when I was doing a little research on you, that you're not only a member of the International Thriller Writers, but also the International Association of Media Tie-Ins. So uh, what's a tie-in? Uh, media tie-ins are things like um, novels or comics or short stories that are based off of a movie, TV, older characters, things like that. I've written characters like the Green Hornet, you know, things like that. So yeah. Oh, cool. So like those. Yeah, Star Wars like books. Star Wars novels would be media tie-ins, and uh, I'd love to write a Star Wars book if anyone there is listening. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so I've I've written a few things like that with some of the with pre-existing characters for, for other publishers. Some of the pulp stuff falls into that category. I've done a couple of, like, I uh, did a couple where we took some old radio shows and did new stories based on the old radio shows. So different tie-ins that way. That's pretty interesting. That's cool. I didn't, I didn't even realize what that was. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's, it's, you know, you get to play, in, especially if you know the characters, you get to play in a familiar sandbox like when you're writing the green hornet i knew who the green hornet was so i had a lot of fun you know being able to just ooh, i'm getting to write the green hornet doing something and it's it's pretty cool from a fan perspective but also from a professional's perspective those often come with a built-in audience which is always helpful and are they like your stories or, they, or does the the whoever owns the uh, that series do they like provide ideas or uh, it could be a little of both. Um, in my, what I've done so far, um, the whatever publisher has gotten the rights to it, they have approached me, and it's usually they're usually anthologies, and they'll approach and say, "Here's what we're going to do. Give us a pitch." And so you write a pitch for them uh, that that the publisher has to like approve. But then they also have to have the approval process of the people that own the characters. So it's actually it's almost like adding another like approval step because the people that own the character obviously want to make sure their character is treated fairly. And so yeah, so it's fun. It's uh, you get to just pitch story. So it's most of the time they're original stories. Sometimes you're asked to adapt something. Um, I wrote a I'm working on a graph. I worked on a graphic novel where we adapted. Uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs is at the Earth's core novel. So that way, in that particular case, you know, it wasn't write a new story set in that world. Let's retell this story. And and we're doing the second book now. Actually, I had a discussion with my editor and the artist today, and we've just started working on book two of that. So hopefully we'll get to adapt all five of them. That would be pretty cool. And so now with the rest of your thrillers, uh, are you... Uh I noticed you have a couple of series out of your thriller books. Uh, have you always uh, enjoyed reading thrillers? I have, yeah. I, I I love a good mystery and a good suspenseful thriller and, you know, in books and in movies. You know, I, I love that not, you know, can I figure it out before they do or not, not knowing what's coming. There's that. And the atmosphere. 
which is, you know, when you start writing it, it's harder to write that atmosphere than you think than you thought it would be. <laughs> yeah. But it's it, but it's a nice challenge, and I I do enjoy, you know, that thrilling adventure aspect of things, or the or it could be a really you can you can almost have a thriller in any genre. I mean, you can have a crime thriller, a suspense thriller, a mystery thriller, a sci-fi thriller, and but it's just that telling that 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 thriller type of of story is, for me is fun, and I love. I was looking at your uh, the evil your evil ways book and the, the Har- uh, Harold Palmer uh, thriller uh, books that you you've been writing. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Sure, sure. Um, evil ways was actually my first published novel. Uh, it wasn't the first one I wrote. The first one I wrote was like most people who you've probably interviewed say, "Oh, my first one was awful," but. Uh, Evil Ways was my first published book. Um, I've it's been t- actually it'll be out ten years this year. Um, so yes, I'm just now getting around to book two because um, <laughs> I've been busy. Yeah, um, yeah, all those tie-ins and everything else. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's Harold Palmer is a, a character that I created. He is an FBI agent, and in Evil Ways, it's kind of seeing him off duty. He's Something happens to him at the beginning of the book, and he has to kind of take some time off. And so he goes to visit his brother, who is a reporter, who who gave up a really promising career um, working as a reporter in the Atlanta area to buy a small town newspaper. So now he he the uh, the new he has a newspaper staff of him and one other person. So he's enjoying that challenge. So they haven't seen each other in a few years. So they get together and they're, you know, catching up when they get involved with, uh, there's a murder that happens in that town and they end up getting involved in the case, which leads to a lot of other thrilling, hopefully things happening. And I really, I had a ball playing with the mystery aspect of it because that was really the first time I had written an honest to goodness mystery where I didn't want to I didn't want to let the the reader know who the killer is, so you have to kind of figure it along with them. Which uh, you know, as a writer, you you understand how how hard it is to lay those clues because you know them. So in your head, you're thinking, "Oh, well, everybody's going to get this clue," and then it's really satisfying later when people are coming up and going, "But but but I thought it was this guy," or you know. So I I love that apparently I was able to fool a lot of people with the red herrings, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, that's got to be a real thriller. Those type of thrillers, too. You keep the reader second-guessing themselves or, or, or going down the wrong road. Yes. One of the best compliments I, I received about Evil Ways, um, I was working, a, I worked for a company uh, at the time, and when the book came out, and I, I go into the office one morning, and I sit down, and my phone rings at my desk, and I answer it, and it's a lady that works worked upstairs, and she had bought a copy of the book. And she, I answer the phone. I said, good morning. She goes, you bastard. And I'm like, what? And she goes, I am so tired this morning. I'm like, okay, why is that my fault? She says, because I couldn't stop reading your book and I stayed up all night to finish it. Oh, that is awesome. And that was probably one of the coolest things anyone could ever have said to me. And yeah, so I, I love it. And you know, the, the, the character of Harold, I, I like the character. I'm currently working on evil intent, which is, um, We'll actually see him doing his job as an FBI agent, and I'm I'm a good sixty thousand words into that one, so almost almost there. Nice. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, it's 
it's taken me a lot longer to get to the second one than than it should have. But mm, you know, things happen. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Good things happen. That's a good way yeah. of putting it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I my my plan is I have ideas for at least three or four Harold books already in my head. So hopefully that'll happen. And so now, when you uh, who who are some of the thriller authors who 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 you like to read and who inspired you or 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 who have influenced your writing? Oh well, um, well, there's a lot. You know, I I get influences from everywhere, but certainly in the in this type of of genre, you know, I certainly do enjoy things like uh, Lawrence Block or uh, Mickey Spillane. If you want, you know, looking at the at the writers that have been around a while. You know, they knew how to tell that mystery noir kind of feel. Uh, more modern writers I like, certainly like Michael Connolly or Alex Cava, who do this same type of crime thriller stories. Uh, so, yeah, so there's a few people like that. Uh, I certainly don't miss any of the books that come out from from those particular authors because I, I know I'm in for a good ride when I, when I get one of their books. So you still have fine time to read and read thrillers? Well... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, but it might take me three months to finish it. <laughs> yeah. It takes me almost as long to read one now as it does to write one, because, yeah, there's there's not a lot of time. And um, I recently rejoined, like, the corporate life, so I have a, a recently took, took a new day job. So I thought I had no time when I was writing full-time. I really have no time now. <laughs> yeah, that puts a damper on the reading schedule. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things that's like, okay, I've got five minutes. I can knock out a chapter in five minutes and you read. <laughs> so, but uh, but I still love to read and, you know, my, my to-read pile just continues to grow larger and larger and larger, but I'll get to them eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. So, Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so now what inspired you to write your first book? Well, I had been writing comics um, before I wrote my first novel, and I wanted to just see if I could do it. Um, and I wrote my first novel, and I finished it. It was crap. I finished it, but, you know, it was very short. It was more like a novella, but it was it was done. I finished it. I was, it was a sense of accomplishment. And so I decided, you know, I really want to do this again. You know, I had so, I you know, because I felt really good, and I was like... I'd like to try to tell a different type of story or a type of story like I would like to read. And one day it was just that simple. I just said, I'm going to write another, no- I'm going to write a novel. And I had an idea. Um, I had a friend of mine who was uh, want- wanting to do like a, uh, like a low budget film. And so I'd come up with some, I'd pitched him some ideas. And one of the ideas that I had pitched him became part of what's in a voice. And so I started like tacking on stuff to that, and so from that little germ of an idea, I was able to build this—I won't say world, but I definitely built this community because I like I invented my own town. So you've got all the inhabitants of the town. I have a nice map of the town and what it looks like and what's there, and and um, and I've used that town a couple of times because the same town, part of Deadly Games, takes place in the same town. We'll return to it in Evil Intent for just a brief moment. And there's a secondary character in Evil Ways who is the sheriff. And the sheriff, ever so often, I hear him nibbling at the back of my brain going, hey, when do I get my book? <laughs> so I have ideas. And it's it's just finding the time to get them all done. Yeah, so you're not the only one that has all these voices in your head, huh? <laughs> oh, no, no. They're all in there. Yeah. 
they're in there, they're talking, they argue, they fight to see who can get to the front. You know, it's yeah. Yeah, we're we're all quite insane. Yeah, if you know if you know an author, yeah, they're it's it's a good bit. They're borderline insane. And now, where do you usually get your ideas from? Then, when you when you when you get one of these ideas in your head and you have to write it, uh, where do they come from? Wow, you know, that's one of the things I get asked this question a lot, and I I don't have a good answer because I guess they come from different places. Sometimes an idea just you'll see something or you'll you'll hear a news story or you'll read something or. Someone will just say something, and it sparks something. Um, and then there are other times where, like, a, a full an idea just hits you full, almost like it runs you over, and suddenly you have in your head you've already plotted out half a book. And then it's awesome when that happens. And then there are other times where it's like you you get the seed of an idea, and then you have to like really work at it to make it come together. Um, so yeah. I, I really don't know. I mean, I've heard those theories that there's a, like a big cloud, like the idea cloud is out there, <laughs> and that we all tap into it. And I don't know if that's true or not, but yeah, sometimes I can't explain it. Sometimes they come out of nowhere, and you're like, what made me think of that? It's not because it's not you know because a lot of times it's stuff you're interested in or mm-hmm. you've researched or whatever. But some yeah, you, know, you suddenly I get a, like I got a, the last like big idea that hit me was for a character who's like mountain climber. Now I'm not a mountain climber. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing about climbing mountains, but now I've got this story idea about a mountain climber. Um, so yeah, so I don't know where they come from. Um, I'm just glad they keep coming. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, because when they stop, I'm really in trouble. But, uh, yeah, so I try to listen to them. A lot of times I, I go, man, that's a great idea. Okay, let me put that over here in this box because I have deadlines and I can't work on you right now. So, yeah, see, so you, you know, when you when you start working with publishers, too, you have to learn to – to. that was the biggest change for me going from uh, a fan writing, you know, writing to being paid to write is now suddenly it's like I don't get to just go where the muse takes me. I have to slight tie the muse up over in a corner because this book has to be finished first. Mm-hmm. And they're like, but that's not what I want to work on. And we're just like, tough. And, and so, yeah, you have to – and that was that was, hard, that was hard for me because before I started working, you know, for publishers, it was, yeah, ooh, what do I feel like working on tonight? That, great, and off we're running. And, yeah, now it's, now it's a, little, a little more rigid, I think, sometimes. You get the deadline uh, uh, looming. Do you ever like get oh writer's block or something for the deadlines, or you you got it pretty good? You got a pretty good system going. You know, I I don't think I've ever had writer's block to the term of like like not knowing what to do. My problem is usually getting set down and started. Once I'm in front of the computer and I'm typing away, I'm good. I'm in it. I'm I'm good to go. My problem is getting my butt in the chair. Because there's all of the the distractions. There's oh, well, you know, what's the old joke? A writer wakes up and says, "Yep, I need to write today." But first, I'm going to clean the office. And you finish cleaning the office. Okay, time to write. But first, and so yeah, so it's I and I think there's a lot of us that probably <laughs> have that problem. But uh, that's when my wife comes home and everything's very clean. She goes, "Did you have problems today writing?" <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, you know, yeah, my office is clean. They go, oh, didn't feel like writing today, did you? <laughs> so, but yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, but once I get started, I'm usually okay. And I always juggle multiple projects. That's the other thing, too, with that I've had to learn with 
because as you know, you know, when you're doing the books, the writing it is only a part of it because you write it, it goes off to the editors. You start working on the next thing. Then that project comes back with edits. So you have to stop work on that, send it off, go back to work on the other one. Oh, here comes the galley. Okay. Stop work on the galleys. Check that. Okay. Back over, you know, and so you can have things coming in. So you have to learn to juggle these things quite a bit and took me a little while to get used to it, but I, I've been doing this a little while now, so it, it seems a little, it's a little easier. Not a lot easier, a little easier. A, l- a little bit, huh? A little bit. <laughs> so now you had mentioned before that you were you got, had an idea about the mountain climbing. You'd never been a mountain climber, but how about from uh, your own real-life experiences? Have you find that ever finds a way into your books, into the stuff that you're writing? Oh, sure, sure. Especially in terms of, maybe not in terms of like the big action or what the story's about, but in terms of the little things. It was actually it was a lesson I learned on Evil Ways. I was I was taking a evening class. Um, I live in Georgia, and so I'm I'm like 30 miles away from the University of Georgia. And so once they had this class, it met once a week. It was a creative writing class, and basically you went in, read to a group, and got instant feedback not only from the teacher but from the other students. And uh, so I was reading. Evil Ways because I was working on it while I was taking this class. And I read, there's a scene where the two brothers uh, meet up for the first time in the book. And they haven't seen each other in a while. It's kind of a reunion and the characters are together. And I read this in front of this group and it, it came back with a very lukewarm reception. And uh, there was one lady there that gave that said, my problem is not with what you wrote, but it's like they don't feel like brothers. If you hadn't told me they were brothers, you know, in the narrative, I'd have never known because they don't feel like brothers. And and that was that was the first time I thought, you know, maybe I should, you know, figure out what I'm doing wrong. And then I got thinking, wait a minute, I have a brother. How about my brother and I, you know? talk to one another how do we act around each other so actually in evil ways i gave the two brothers who are the main protagonists i gave one of them my brother's personality and i gave the other one mine so now when they meet it's almost how my brother and i would meet each other and when i went back a, a week or so later and read that it seemed to generate more where they're like you could take out a lot of this stuff now telling us they're related because we get it and so, so I found little things like that for my real life help make the characters more real. Or sometimes I'll mention like this character had a job and it's like a job I had once or little things like that, those type of experiences. And do you set your books in uh, like in Georgia, like areas that you're familiar with? Or- sometimes, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Uh, Evil Ways takes place in a small town in Georgia that is very much like the one I live in. But I wanted things that my town doesn't have, so I just invented my own. And uh, so I've used that town a couple times. But um, I've written, like, Evil Intent, most of it takes place in Washington, D.C. And, and Tennessee, because we're, we're chasing a bad guy. I'm working on another thriller that features a Washington, D.C. homicide detective and a Secret Service agent, you know, both working different sides of the same case. Then that all takes place in Washington D.C. and I've never been to Washington D.C. So, what do you do? For, what do you do for that? You do a lot of research and yeah, a lot of a lot of Google, a lot of 
a lot of uh, looking at maps of the city and, you know, I had a friend that lived in Washington for a time, so I certainly have uh, bent his ear a little bit about, tell me a little bit about the city and things like that. Yeah, those Google Maps and the, the I like to do the YouTube videos because if you, you do like driving and put the name of the city or the town, there, you'll find a video of somebody driving in that town. <laughs> I absolutely. Find that so awesome. <laughs> Oh, absolutely! Yeah, you can. It gives it gives you a good feel for what the city's like. I mean, you know, obviously, there's nothing like the real thing of visiting, and I, you know, it's one of those things I need to do. And but um, yeah, I've certainly not. I mean, if I write a story set in outer space, I can't visit there. So, so yes. The, the, the yes, yet. So some of the imagination has to go into play. And but um, I didn't want to. I didn't want to set everything I do in Georgia. So. <laughs> I was reading your bio, and you mentioned that uh, that you also do some acting, and you you acted in an episode of The Following. I love that well, show. <laughs> I, I was an extra. I, I don't, there was not a lot of. Act, I mean, you know, um, you were there, I, right? <laughs> I was. I I was there. I was in the I was in the pilot episode. Cool. Uh, they filmed the pilot here in Georgia, and then the rest of it they filmed in New York. Mm. Um, so we, I worked on it for three days, for the three seconds. It's a screen time I've got. <laughs> I worked for three days because a lot of my stuff got cut because there's a lot of scenes I'm watching it. I'm like, the, you know, the scene starts. And I'm like, crap, they cut just where I moved off camera. Ah, crap, they cut where I moved off. You know, it's, yeah. Um, but I do have one scene where I'm, I walk behind Kevin Bacon. So I'm on camera in the shot with the star of the show. And I now win that game every time someone wants to play it. Yeah, the six degrees of separation. Right. Uh, yeah, was it six degrees of Kevin Bacon? Is this what yep. I was thinking? <laughs> yep, it's like people are like, "Ooh, yeah," because uh, I did, an, I did a, I did a movie where I actually had lines. There was a, I worked on a comedy horror called uh, Camp Massacre, which when I filmed it, it was called Fat Chance, which is a title I like better. But um, as we worked on this, and one of the guys that had a small role, a role in the movie, was in worked with somebody didn't work with Kevin Bacon, but worked in with somebody that worked with him. And they were like, Oh yeah, we're all like a lot closer now in that game. And I, I, I posted the photo of me in the same screenshot with him. I said, I, I win. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Uh, yeah. So I did get to meet him. It was very nice. It was, um, it was a fun shoot. Like I said, I worked on it for three days. I played an FBI agent and, um, so yeah, three days in a suit and a tie in the warm Georgia summer. Um, with a gun, had a gun, a badge, you know, Sweet. credentials. I, it was wonderful. I loved it. But the biggest bonus, as much fun as it was, you get to meet some very interesting people. One of the guys that was playing a U.S. Marshal was a, works on a SWAT team. So I was able to ask him all kind of questions. Uh, there were a few different other people. But there was a real-life FBI agent on set for as a consultant. And so at one point, he's standing off by himself. And we're not we're not shooting anything, so I go up and I introduce myself, and we talk for a moment. And I mentioned that I write a book about an FBI agent, you know, and I'd love to like come and talk to someone or interview, get some information. And he's like, "Well, actually, that's my job." He says, "That's what I do." And he says, "Now you have to get vetted." So he got the process started. So they had to like you know background check me and all that stuff, and. But I got to go, and I got to spend a day at the FBI Atlanta office and hang out. They gave me a bunch of literature. And so I was telling him, you know, I asked a bunch of general questions. But then I got to specific questions about book two, Evil Intent. And actually, one of the things I had mentioned happens to the character 
And he's like, oh, it's funny you should mention that. And he goes into the story where something similar had happened to him. And then he was telling me what happened after. And so I incorporated part of his story into, into the book to give it a little more real realism. So, and that was cool. So I had, I had a great time spending the day there. And I mean, it was just, it was, it was, it was really good. Yeah. That's like an, that's like an added huge bonus. All the people you had uh, access to <laughs> during the shoot. Yeah. And it's fun. I, I do enjoy doing the, the extra stuff, you know, now that I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm back in the corporate world. So it's a little harder to do them, which is killing me right now because they're, they're filming Captain America three here. Yeah, what's up with Atlanta yeah. with George all of a sudden? Walking yeah. Dead, and like everything, everything seems to be filmed there now. Well, the, they've got these great incentives, tax incentives. Ah, okay, that makes and sense. And they're they're building studios right and left. I mean, there are several, and so for a couple of years there, when I was home writing full time, it was great to do it every once in a while because it gets you out of the house, you know, writing your home stuck by yourself most of the time. So. I could take a day here and a day there and go off and 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 work. So I, I've done a few things. Some probably the most notables where you really see me. There's a you get a great shot of me in Dumb and Dumber Two. Oh really? I saw uh, that. I just saw that a couple yeah. months ago. When they when they walk, they're walking into the convention, and the guy has mistaken him, Jeff Daniels' character, for someone else, mm-hmm. and they're going in. And the the guy stops and he's asking Jim Carrey's character is like is does he have Aspergers? And as they're walking by, I'm standing there in line right beside them. Like I couldn't see them, but I know they're like right beside me. So yeah, so I'm in the trailer too. So I've, it's right there, and I'm just yeah, standing there looking pissed off because I'm like in this long line and and so I did that. I've I've done some like uh, what else was I in? I said Halt and Catch Fire. It was on AMC. Uh, that was in the first episode of Satisfaction on uh, USA. Uh, I don't know if you saw that one. The the main character is on an airplane, and I play the. I'm a pretty big guy, and I I came in with like a big uh, over the shoulder satchel, and I I get to try to squeeze past the main actor and knock him over. For hours, we I knocked this poor man around, and uh, so had a ball. You know, it's just it's fun. It's. It's fun, and I love the behind-the-scenes getting to watch how they do things. And, uh, yeah, so it's fun. I, I do enjoy it. I, but I, I would never call myself an actor, though. I, I'm, I know my limitations. Yeah, well, you have credits now, right? So are you in that? Yeah, yeah. So there you go. I, am, I do have, I am in IMDb. So. That's, yeah. I, start, I can remember the name of that. They're cool. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> But they're fun. It's it's fun. I like I said, I enjoy it. They they pay you. You don't pay you much, but they pay you. They feed you. Now, I like working TV. The TV shoots better because they're faster. There's not as much downtime. But you eat better on a movie shoot. <laughs> oh yeah, so, that, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. They got the, well, a bigger budget, right? Right. But on a move on a TV on a movie shoot, I mean, you can like they can yell cut, and it's an hour before they roll the next bit. On, and so everybody goes to their trailers, and like they get in a car, they drive them to their trailer. And on TV, they yell "cut." The actors go sit in a chair, you know, ten feet away. They come over, move the cameras, say, "Okay, everybody, let's go." And you you keep going because it's so much. Because you have to get through a lot in a week. And um, yeah, so a lot of fun. You had mentioned before that you uh, about your writing. 
day being you know locked up in the house and all that uh could you describe like a writing days for you when i was when i was home all day when i was writing full time i would I, I i'm a late sleeper i like to stay up late and get up late so i'd get up around 11 get up first few bits of the day answering emails doing social media stuff i try to to try to post something to my website if it needed it you know various things like that that are writing related but you're not actually putting words down and so I would do all that answer my emails set up posts for the day anything like that, that needed to be done that would usually take a couple of hours um, take a little break eat some lunch you know rant run errands if you needed to then I'd come back and I'd work and I'd work into the evening things usually stopping at whatever time I decided to stop to eat and um after I'd eat, I'd watch a little TV or read or go out or whatever. Go back, do a little more work. Go to the gym. You know, I'd go to the gym. My brother and I would go to the gym at like midnight when it's nice and empty. Uh, go to the gym, come back, work work a couple more hours, go to bed. You know, get up and do it all again the next day. That was when I was working full time. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> I get up, I go to work, I... I get up around 7.30 in the morning to get ready for work. I go to work. I get home about 8 at night or a little after. And by the time I eat and watch a little TV, I've got maybe an hour or so. I'll knock out something if I can and then spend the weekends writing. So, so yeah, so the other what, what my day looked like beforehand is how my Saturdays and Sundays look now. <laughs> so, yeah, cramming in two days now versus the... <laughs> right, right. I'm getting what I used to get done in six days. I'm getting done now in two, or, tr- or trying to. I'm, I'm a little, I've fallen a little behind as a result, but I'm making, I'm, I'm making plans to get caught back up, so. And so it sounds like you work on t- uh, different projects at the same time. You, you mentioned you're writing a, a, a couple projects. Is that... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm always juggling things because... Um, in addition to doing things like my novels, which you know I do, and then I either sell or sometimes I'll publish myself, but it's, I don't do that very often. I, I don't enjoy the production side of it as much for doing it, so I don't self-publish a lot. But working with different publishers, and I, I you know, I work for at least five or six at any you know, uh, you know, like I said, you never know when stuff's coming back. Uh, I know, I like right now, I'm working on Evil Intent the novel, but I'm also, I have a couple of comic scripts that need to be done. And so what I'll do is I'll work on the novel, get a chapter or two done, take a break, jump over to the comics, you know, write some comics, then jump back because you only, you kind of use a different, almost like different, like creative muscles because the formatting is so different mm-hmm. and, and how you write each of those is different. So it's almost like taking a break from the novel. You're still working, but you've take you've taken a break, so your brain's a little freed up from writing prose, and you're working on the comic, and then vice versa. So I'm always working at least two projects. But then you've also got things like I've got books that are done and out, or stories that are done and out that could show up at any time with edits. And so then you have to stop and work those in, or sometimes you'll have to like uh, we need a pitch. You know, it's like it's not. It may not be for a book I'm going to work on for three or four months, but I'll have to go ahead and do the pitch now. So yeah, so there's a lot of those type of start and stop and multiple things coming in that you you just kind of have to juggle them into the into the mix. 
And what's the, uh, your latest uh, novel that's been published recently? What was my latest novel that's been published? That's a very good question. Hang on a second. I'm, I had to pull up my website. Isn't that sad? Um, yeah, no, like, that means you're busy. You have so many <laughs> projects going. That's good. Yeah. The, the last novel that I wrote that came out was, is called Domino Lady. Uh, it's called Money Shot. Uh, Domino Lady is a pulp character from the 1930s. Uh, she actually appeared in six stories in 1936, I think. And I've been writing the character for Moonstone Books. Uh, I wrote her in the anthology. I've written some comics with her. I'm writing some comics with her that are coming out. And um, Joe, the publisher over there, you know, contacted me, uh, and he goes, "I know you like. I know you like writing thrillers." He says. Have you ever thought about writing? Uh, he says, what I'd like is, I'd like a political thriller with Domino Lady. And I'm like, done. And so, it's one of those, it's just one of those fate things. In the background of several of the stories I had written with her in the comics and in the, in the anthology, there was a character in the original who was a big game hunter turned actor. And he's one of the villains, but he's not like, you know he's he's not like a main villain, but he's so he shows he's one of the few characters that shows up multiple times. And there's a line in one of the original stories where he mentions that one of his goals is he's going to be governor one day. And so I kept playing with that, and I kept just using it in the background of stories. Someone would mention him, or there'd be a a poster that he's running for governor or something. So when he said political thriller, I'm like, wait a minute, I've been setting up this story where he runs for governor. And so I the, used that as my basis, and so wrote this novel where, yeah, he, uh, she, you know, she knows he's dirty, and so she throws herself in with his his uh, competition to try to stop him. And then if there's someone gets killed, and yeah, so there becomes a bit of a murder mystery, and there's some thriller aspect, some crime drama, and so yeah, so it was a uh, it was fun. I I love the character and. I've gotten to write her several times, and I'm also writing some comics now with her. So, cool character. Is it set in the uh, in the 30s, or is it contemporary? No, it's set in the 30s. We kept it, and uh, they wanted to keep her in the, the time. You know, she's... I, I think the character could work in contemporary times, but uh, they wanted to keep her in that 1930s Hollywood setting, which is a beautiful setting to put a story in. And so yeah, so that's where she is, and she's uh, she she had this, and and this is not something I created. This was from the original character. She had this very inter- interesting way that she went about things. Um, obviously, the way she dressed, she's all she's in like a, a like a a dress that slid up all you know, showing a lot of leg, and she certainly used her feminine wiles and was not afraid of a little sex and flirting and whatever. Um, but she also was smart. She would write these letters to whatever the bad guy was. And she dealt with like dirty politicians, corrupt cops, mob bosses, things like that. And so she would write them these letters on black paper with white ink. She would pin these notes and she would tell them, I know what you did. Here's what I'm going to do to you. Here's what I'm going to take from you. And, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, she'd lay it all out for them. So they're on guard for her. And then she would have to, she would, you know, using not, not only her, you know, 
her feminine laws and her looks and things, you know, because she would oftentimes go in without the mask. And, but she would use her brains to outsmart them. So here they think, well, this girl isn't going to do anything to us. And she would find a way to outsmart them and get the goods on them, you know, and almost have her, her laugh at a moment at the end as they get carted off to jail or shot or whatever. Yeah. This is like, this is like a lot of fun. Yeah. And she's, She's a really cool character. I've probably written her more than any other character in like in terms of number of stories I've written, which is fun. So and they keep inviting me back, so I must be doing something they like. So. And so, do you find it it's it's hard to write uh, for female car- uh, protagonist? Um, no, not really. Um, it might have been at the beginning, but uh, I've gotten to know the character so well that it's not really that hard. But no, it's you know really once I got to know the character. And uh, I, you know, got in, kind of got in her head, and she got in mine, and yeah. It's, so now it's it's more of a, you know, I don't necessarily think about it. Oh, I gotta go write this female character. It's just I gotta go write Ellen, or I gotta write Domino Lady, and and I actually think of her as two different characters sometimes. Ellen is her without the mask, and Domino Lady is her with the mask, because she kind of like most of these people that put on masks, they adopt kind of a persona when they're wearing the mask, and. And her mask, I mean, you know, it's, it wouldn't take a lot to figure out who she is. Because <laughs> it's just a little domino mask, which is where she gets her name from. But, uh, but yeah, it's just, when I wrote the character, I just, I fell in love with the character. And uh, was very excited when I got to come back and write her again. And then they asked me back again and again. So I, I've been very lucky with, with her. And and I've actually had people go, you know, refer to me as the Domino Lady guy, which I, I I'm proud of. You know? <laughs> yeah, I like that, the Domino and, Lady guy. Yeah. yeah, the Domino Lady guy. And you know, there are other people that write the character as well. I mean, I'm not the only one. Um, my actually, my editor on the Domino Lady novel was one of the co-writers. I we, she and I wrote some comics together. Uh, Nancy Holder, who writes a lot of uh, young adult fantasy and tie-in books as well. Yeah, she's one of the, she's the big time New York Times bestselling author. So, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, it's always good to have, you know, have her share a project with me. And so when she agreed to be my editor, I was very excited. So, and I think we work well together. So, um, and she, she knows the character pretty well too. So I think we, we, we really play off each other well when it comes to, you know, knowing what makes her tick. Okay, well, I'm going to wrap things up here. Uh, but sorry, I can't, I can't talk. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That's it. It's been fascinating. It's been awesome. <laughs> Is there anything else before we, uh, before we go about the, that you would like uh, you know, listeners to know about? And uh, where, where can they find you online? You know, I don't know if you're on Facebook and, and all that. Uh- yeah, I am. Uh, well, uh, bobbynash.com is my main website. I try to update it at least two or three times a week. You, there are links to everything on there, including Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Pinterest, Instagram. I, yeah, because I won't just throw all these different names at you for you know, how to find me. But if you look up Bobby Nash, I'm not hard to find on in any of them. There are all links on my website there, too. So, yeah, uh, feel free to you know, shoot me a message. Say hi. I, I love meeting and talking to people. I do a lot of conventions. So, you know, if you see me at a con, come up, say hi. Tell me you heard me on the podcast. I mean... That's always cool. I love it when people tell me they've heard me on something because I always assume no one listens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Is, is is it really a podcast if no one listens? <laughs> oh yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I used to, I used to, I used to co-host the Earth Station One podcast. That was a weekly show, and um, 
when I went back to work, it was just one of the things that had to go because there was just not enough hours in the day. Um, I still pop on at least once every couple of months and do an episode, but um, so I do want to give them a shout out to uh, ESOPodcast.com. It's a lot of lot of podcasts on their network, and so they're yeah. cool guys. Yeah, and I'll have links to all that too on the on the on the website. So wherever if people are listening to this and you're on my website, you'll see the links for all that too. So there you go. See, so I'll type. Yeah, I'll definitely make sure I send those to you. Yeah. And. Uh, so, but yeah, it's uh, I, I'm all over social media, and so yeah, like I said, I, I love me. I love meeting and talking to people. You know, if you want to ask me questions about writing and or or about the books, I mean, I'm happy to talk either. All right, great. Well, thanks a lot, Bobby. It was uh, nice talking to you, and thanks for being on the show. Oh, my pleasure, Alan. Thanks again for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Meet the Thriller Author. You can visit our site at get.thrillingreads.com forward slash podcast for more information on our podcasts. And you can also subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcatcher like iTunes, the most popular one, of course. Uh, Just search for Meet the Thriller Author and you'll find me there. And I'm also on Facebook at uh, facebook.com forward slash meet thriller author love to hear from you love to hear comments and your feedbacks on the shows and i'll have a new podcast a new interview with a thriller author uh, they'll be posting them every tuesday so stay tuned for that and don't forget to subscribe and please visit my author website at alanpeterson.com